Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, the March canola contract hit its resistance mark or ceiling of $640 per metric ton this week. We'll hear what PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo has to say about that. As well, the United Kingdom is hitting the brakes on trade talks with Canada after Ottawa decided to not extend two temporary measures put in place after Brexit. Ralph Goodale is the Canadian High Commissioner in the United Kingdom. He gave an exclusive interview to Saskang today, and you will hear what he had to say about all of that. The Canadian Cattle Association is disappointed but not surprised to see talks between Canada and the United Kingdom stop over a few disputes, mainly Canadian beef. CCA President Nathan Finney will join us on today's program. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Come back to SaskAg today. The March canola contract hit its resistance mark or ceiling of $640 per metric ton this week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo says it got there on Tuesday but has gone down since. So right now the March contract is at about $620 a ton. So for the week, uh, we are actually not having that great of a week when it comes to canola, down about $6 right now. And I am watching this canola market to see maybe it it could be retesting the contract lows potentially. So uh, the low that we did see kind of on the contract back on January 8th was uh, $610.2. So it kind of seems like we're heading there potentially. Uh, Today we did reach a low of $613.40 and uh, it's selling off a little bit here today as well too. Piccolo was also looking for March Minneapolis wheat to hit the $7 mark which it did yesterday. We did see actually a good day yesterday. Uh, we saw a high of 7.11.5 on the March contract. Uh, however, today it really reversed that. So down about 11 cents here, uh, below that $7 mark. So it's kind of flirting with that, uh, that level that if I were to see it get above $7 and hold that, we could see some strengths. But again, it's not really showing um, that it wants to go too much higher here. Uh, the U.S. dollar has still been, been going a little bit more sideways to lower right now. Uh, that has been, you know, it doesn't seem like it's been that supportive um, for uh, the grains in general. On the wheat market, we actually did see a, a very strong rally in the Chicago wheat side. Um, but the technical signals really favor um, kind of some pullbacks here. Uh, so that's kind of, I think, we're seeing that kind of across the board on all the grains. Piccolo says there's a few factors causing canola and wheat prices to move this week. 
A couple different things. Um, overnight, uh, China did uh, authorize Argentine wheat imports for the first time, so something a little bit interesting there. Uh, U.S. winter wheat uh, in drought fell about 5% last week to 22% compared to 59% uh, this week a year ago. Uh, so the possibility of some global demand could shift to North America due to the shipping problems in the Middle East as well, too, uh, is an underlying positive for the market, but it seems like really just traders are still selling any rallies here right now. Funds are still heavily short. Uh, the corn market, for example, as well, too. So uh, I, I think that as well, a lot of producers still have a lot of grain in the bin. So talking uh, with uh, different producers this week, canola definitely still in the bin and uh, I think revised expectations on what they're getting is going to have to be in order kind of coming up into kind of a new crop year. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 AgriView. A federal environmental strategy for the agriculture sector should be viewed through an economic lens. That's according to a report from consultations on the proposed sustainable agriculture strategy. It should reflect regional differences, recognize early adopters, and improve data and measurement. The What We Heard report was posted to Agriculture Canada's website during the holiday season. It outlines the feedback from consultations, workshops and written submissions gathered between December of 2022 and March of 2023. A final strategy was supposed to be released in late 2023, but the department now says it will be sometime this year. Stakeholders said direct incentives to increase the adoption of best management practices and technology were critical. Farmers have to see the financial sense of changing practices. Feedlots continued to purchase corn imports from the United States, putting pressure on feed barley and wheat prices in Western Canada. However, the prospective of fewer planted acres this spring could give prices a boost. Aaron Herakal, trade manager for Agfinity in Stony Plain, Alberta, says there is a lack of demand for domestic feed grains, causing price declines for feed barley set for January to March delivery. In addition, a mostly mild winter in southern Alberta this year meant less feed consumption by livestock and fewer purchases by feedlots. Despite projected declines in acreage for non-Durham wheat and barley, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada estimates increased production for the 2024-25 marketing year in its first outlook for the season released on Monday. Herakal said that while seeding intentions will be made clearer as spring approaches, farmers may grow less of barley. Alberta's Drought Livestock Assistance Program has added 23 more municipalities to areas eligible for funding and tax deferral. The 2023 Canada-Alberta Drought Livestock Assistance Initiative, funded through the Agri-Recovery Framework by the federal and provincial governments, offers payments of up to $150 per head to livestock producers who have 15 or more animals per type of livestock 
and have altered usual grazing practices for more than 21 days due to drought. Funding will open for the new regions on Monday with a deadline of February 22nd. Extraordinary costs can be incurred until March 31st. Additionally, livestock farmers and ranchers in those areas may be eligible for the 2023 livestock tax deferral, which allows farmers who sell part of their breeding herd due to drought to defer a portion of the sale proceeds to the next year, as per the Government of Canada's website. French farmers blocked highways and dumped crates of imported produce yesterday, demanding urgent action on low farm gate prices, green regulation and free trade policies as swelling protests moved closer to Paris. Farmers say the protests, now in their second week after breaking out in the southwest, would continue as long as their demands are not met, posing the first big challenge for new Prime Minister Gabriel Attal. French intelligence services have warned the government that regional farming unions have called on their members to converge on the capital. As Attal convened senior ministers with the aim of announcing concrete proposals today, farmers used bales of hay and tractors to block major highways across France, the European Union's biggest agricultural producer. On the southwestern edge of Paris, dozens of tractors led a go slow during the morning rush hour. Australian wheat and barley came away with average crops for 2023-24 as the threat of dryness caused by an El Nino posed a major challenge. That's according to the United States Department of Agriculture attaché in the country's capital of Canberra. Wheat and barley production for 2023-24 was significantly lower than the very large crops of the previous marketing year. For wheat, the attaché estimated Australian output for this year at 25.5 million metric tons, down from the record 40.55 million in 2022-23, which was fueled by ample rainfall. Barley came in at 10.5 million metric tons, having dropped from the near-record harvest of 14.14 million. When wheat and barley are compared to their 10-year averages of 26.5 million tons and 11.2 million respectively, their 2023-24 harvests were favorable. And SaskAg Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskag today. And yes, it is free. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. Saskag today will continue right after this. Welcome back to Saskag today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny with some mist and minus 8 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The United Kingdom is hitting the brakes on trade talks with Canada after Ottawa decided to not extend two temporary measures put in place after Brexit. Ralph Goodale is the Canadian High Commissioner in the United Kingdom. He gave an exclusive interview to Saskag Today. Well, Canada uh, was, uh, was and still is actively at the bargaining table. 
it was the United Kingdom that decided to leave the table. This is entirely their decision. It is a unilateral decision on their part. Uh, we're, we're disappointed that they would take that move, and, and we're always uh, ready to, uh, to resume negotiations, as we have been for the, uh, for the last uh, two years. Uh, so we will, we will wait till they decide to come back. Uh, in the meantime, uh, trade will continue uh, on a very solid basis between Canada and the United Kingdom. Uh, on an annual basis, uh, that trade is worth about uh, 44 or $45 billion every year. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very good, high-caliber trade, and it's governed by the, uh, the uh, trade continuity agreement that was negotiated uh, back in 2021 to fill the gap that was left after the United Kingdom left uh, the European Union after Brexit. Uh, so the, the problem uh, that, uh, that the, the British are focused on now is really a problem of their own making. It's a problem that flows from Brexit, and that was their decision, not Canada's decision. Goodale says a special quota for UK cheese imports which offered the same low-tariff access to the Canadian market as the European Union has, expired at the end of last month. Canada has also decided not to extend country-of-origin rules set to expire at the end of March, which will likely drive up the price of UK goods, such as luxury cars. The rules of origin uh, uh, relating to the content of uh, of uh, products that are being exported. Uh, the... the, uh, the, the transitional agreement or the the trade continuity agreement is really a very good one because it provides for about 98% rising to 99% tariff-free market access both ways. (laughs) That's a pretty high benchmark. And, And that's the set of rules that exist right now. And those rules continue indefinitely into the future. There were two loose ends left from those discussions going back to, uh, to 2021. One of them deals with cheese. The other one deals with, uh, uh, with rules of origin. Uh, the cheese arrangement expired at the end of 2023. The rules of origin arrangement uh, expires at the end of March this year. Uh, and those were subjects of active negotiation uh, between uh, Canada and UK at the, uh, at the, at the negotiating table. Uh, and, and, and that's the way you resolve those issues at the negotiating table. The fact that the UK has left the table, uh, is actually walking away from a solution. They, uh, they, uh, uh, for somehow think that, uh, not negotiating will expedite a solution. And I think, quite frankly, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Goodale says the move stems from British unwillingness to offer something in return, such as budging on a dispute over Canadian meat. Canada's cattle sector has been lobbying against a deal with the UK over a long-standing dispute on hormone-treated beef and pork. The UK has held back on importing meats treated with certain hormones that are widely used by Canadian ranchers, who argue the Brits' concern isn't grounded in science. Well, there are three ways to solve a problem like that, and and you're you're right in in describing the unfairness of the of the situation. 
there's about 40,000 tons of British beef that gets into the Canadian market and not a morsel of Canadian beef that gets back into the British market. And the reason is because uh, the British had in place unscientific, non-tariff protectionist trade barriers. Uh, which uh, are, uh, are, of course, not allowed under the rules of international trade, but they do it anyway. Uh, so th- there, there's, there's three ways to solve this. One, you negotiate. Well, obviously, the UK is not particularly interested in, uh, in negotiating. Uh, or uh, uh, number two, you impose some kind of retaliatory measure, that's in in some ways if you're if you're spoiling for a fight that kind of looks like an attractive option uh but it gets you on a downward spiral of uh tit for tat retaliation after retaliation and and uh isn't very good for uh, for international trade the third alternative is to uh is to get them before an international uh, uh trade dispute settlement panel of some kind uh, and have this litigated, and we know from past experience that uh, that in a in a in a trade litigation case, Canada will win uh, the, because the, Ameri- the 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 British position uh, is simply wrong factually, uh, and it's entirely unfair. So, uh, from the Canadian point of view, we will defend our producers' interests, and we won't be intimidated by by somebody walking away from the table because we know on the substance of these issues, both the facts and the law are on Canada's side. Goodale says it's up to the United Kingdom to return to the bargaining table. Well, Canada will, uh, will always be available uh, for, uh, for discussions and, and negotiations. We are not the ones that walked away. They are the ones that, uh, that walked away. Uh, we will uh, adopt a very, a very pragmatic point of view, a very fair-minded point of view, uh, always willing to have discussion, dialogue, and, and negotiation. Uh, and that's the way that, uh, that um, mature and sophisticated trade negotiators behave. So we'll, uh, we'll wait to see uh, when, they're, uh, when they're ready to, to talk again. In the meantime, trade will continue between Canada uh, and uh, and the UK, and it will be 99% tariff-free. That's Canada's High Commissioner to the United Kingdom, Ralph Goodale, talking about the trade dispute as the United Kingdom has walked away from the bargaining table. I'll have more with Ralph Goodale coming up in just a minute. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 178.45. That's up 72. April live cattle trading at 181.65, up 95. March feeder cattle trading at 240.30. That's up 212. April feeder cattle trading at 246, even up 207. February lean hogs trading at 74.85, up 55. April lean hogs trading at 83.35, up 80. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now getting back to the High Commissioner for Canada to the United Kingdom, Ralph Goodale, 
and discussions regarding the fact that the UDK has walked away from the bargaining table as they tried to hash out their differences. He says he will do his best to get the two sides talking again. Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, you obviously uh, uh, try by all of the all of the channels and uh, all the methods of diplomacy to uh, to point out that uh, uh, actually this kind of a tactic uh, n- n- makes the problem more difficult, not uh, not easier to solve. And I think uh, um, eventually the, uh, the 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 policymakers and the negotiators on the British side will will um, uh, see that uh, they're, they're actually making their situation worse, not better. Goodale says it's all about timing. Well, you have to be a bit strategic in deciding when to have those conversations. Uh, but uh, the, the Minister of Trade has already indicated that, uh, uh, that Canada is always uh, ready, willing and available to, uh, to have those conversations. Uh, so uh, uh, we'll... We'll uh, make it abundantly clear to the UK that uh, um, conversation and negotiation is a is a much better way to proceed. And I think eventually this uh, this work will uh, will uh, get back to the table. Uh, that's uh, in a in a practical way. That's that's the way you solve these kinds of problems. But he says the goal to have a trade deal in place by March or April isn't looking too good right now. Well, it, 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 it may. We'll see how far, how long this, uh, this um, um, tactic uh, proceeds. Uh, it may be short term, it may be longer term. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the whole point, uh, going back to the, the, uh, the trade continuity agreement, the whole point of having the, uh, the rules around uh, rules of origin um, until the end of March of 2024, was to encourage both sides to arrive at an agreement by the end of March in 2024, um, and that was uh, eminently doable in the time that uh, that was available. Uh, so hopefully, uh, our uh, our British colleagues will see that um, there's still two months here. Uh, let's roll up our sleeves and see what we can get accomplished. And uh, uh, kind of stamping your feet and leaving the table uh, is not a constructive tactic. Goodale says retaliatory tariffs against the UK would be a last resort. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not something that, uh, that, uh, that Canada would want to do because it, it moves the relationship in the, in the wrong direction. Uh, just as leaving the, uh, the negotiating table <laughs> moves the, the relationship in the wrong direction. Uh, so we, we would prefer not to have to do that. Uh, but we, we will make it very clear to the, uh, to the UK that uh, um, we need a deal that works for us just as much as it works for them. T- trade is a two-way street. It's give and take. And uh, so far from the UK, it's been all take and no give. Uh, and, and we have to have a deal that is fair and balanced and works as a win-win for both countries. And he offered these final comments. While the, the disputes are focused on these areas that we've talked about, uh, there, there's a lot of other good things that uh, have been subject to these um, free trade negotiations. Um, it, it, developing uh, uh, a science-based approach to border measures, 
advancing uh, artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and uh, quantum and, and, and the digital economy, uh, making sure that women and indigenous people are, uh, are uh, participating fairly in the, in the trading system, supporting the activities of small businesses, which make up the bulk of both our economy and the British economy, uh, making sure that labor issues and environmental issues are, are covered, uh, making sure that in, uh, in, a, in an area like supply chains for critical minerals, that we've got a system in place between Canada and the UK that facilitates those supply chains. The, um, uh, the British have identified 18 critical minerals that, that they need for their economy and for their national security for the future. And Canada has 14 of the 18, and we can be a critical supplier of those critical minerals for the UK economy and UK national security. So there's a lot to be gained by getting to the negotiating table uh, and, um, and behaving in a, in a fair-minded, even-handed, balanced kind of way and recognizing that a good deal is one that is good for both countries. Ralph Goodale is the Canadian High Commissioner in the United Kingdom. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. The Canadian Cattle Association is disappointed but not surprised to see talks between Canada and the United Kingdom stop over a few disputes, mainly Canadian beef. CCA President Nathan Finney does give credit to the federal government for stepping up for cattle producers. It makes you wonder, and we're, we're kind of concerned that it's more of a protectionist market than an open trading market. So at this point, you know, negotiations are off, which are disappointing on, you know, getting some of these trade deals accomplished. But, um, you know, we we got to give the government of Canada its props for standing up for us beef producers and, and drawing the line that uh, they're not bending on until these bilateral issues get resolved. We're going to continue to hold the line on that. Finney believes the UK walking away from the negotiating table could negatively affect their application into the comprehensive and progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership. I would think so. I mean, they're the only country that holds our food safety systems to this regard and doesn't recognize it like the rest of the world does. There isn't an issue anywhere else. The science and, and the rules, you know, the research are behind us on that. And there's a reason why we do trade with as many countries that we do. They recognize it. And I think it shows a clear signal when they get up and walk away from the table and aren't willing to have these conversations and move on it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that our government drew a hard line and said, no, we're, we're going to protect our producers and, ensure, and our food safety system, which is, is the gold standard. So, I, I mean, it would raise question if it was me, if, if they're really considering free and open trade. When asked what it would take to break the deadlock, Finney says the only way is to make trade rules science-based. When it gets politicized, you don't have free trade because it can go any direction. So if we're international, wants to trade globally, it has to be science and rules-based, and then you have a standard which you can follow. But until that, if we start politicizing every, every issue, you don't have free trade. You have whatever the government of the day decides that it may or may not want to support or have the political pressures of what they may and may not want to support. So this way here, regardless of, of who's governing the day across the globe, 
if it's science and rules based, then then you have a set of standards. Canada and the UK continue to trade through the trade continuity agreement, but Finney says if things continue the way they are, he's in favor of putting tariffs on the British. I would. I mean, we've got ample trading partners uh, across the globe that show good, open, fair trade. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, we should continue to support those trade deals and negotiations to people that want to, and that's where we should be focusing on sending our product and receiving products from those, from those places as well. That is what the principles are free and open. The Canadian Cattle Association has been at the forefront of this issue, including the creation of an awareness campaign with other cattle groups called Say No to a Bad Deal. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up in the nearby months this hour. March canola trading at 624.60, up a dollar 50. May canola trading at 629.60, that's up a dollar 20. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 703.5, down 5.5 cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 624 and 3 quarters down 12 and a quarter cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 599 and a half down 12 and 3 quarters of a cent. March corn trading at 446 and a half down 5 and a quarter cents. March soybeans trading at 1210 per bushel down 13 cents. March oats trading at 363 and 3 quarters down three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Saskank Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskank Today. A resolution to increase the provincial portion of the beef checkoff was passed on Wednesday at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, or SCA, annual general meeting in Regina. The resolution called for a $1.50 per head increase in the checkoffs starting April 1, 2025. The new total would be $3.50 with the money used to fund research, new technologies, open additional export markets, and inform consumers on the value of beef. Grant McClellan is the SCA's chief executive officer. That resolution had some very good discussion. One amending motion, one additional motion brought forward. The amendment motion was defeated, and there was another motion to table the motion to increase the checkoff till next year's AGM. That was defeated, and so the original motion to increase checkoff uh, starting April 1st, 2025, was approved on the floor. So it goes to the board uh, for approval next. He says it's now up to the board to determine whether to implement the increased checkoff or not. Certainly the board takes uh, any resolution that's passed at uh, the annual meeting very, very seriously. We would anticipate that the board will be reviewing, of course, and discussing this at the very next board meeting. That'll be happening uh, in mid-February. So that'll be the next time the board comes together. But, uh, of course, resolutions to pass with the AGM are taken very seriously. And, and it was a AGM that did have quorum, so it had the necessary number of participants at that meeting to move items forward. 
McClellan notes it's been a long time since the checkoff was increased. Yeah, so previously uh, checkoff had uh, increased in uh, 2012, and uh, previous to that it had been $1 ahead, and that was established in 1987, I believe. So it had uh, increased once since 87 and hadn't increased again in the last 12 years. But he wouldn't be surprised if some producers who weren't at the AGM voice their displeasure about the increase in the checkoff. I'm sure we'll expect to hear from producers as this information is made public, of course. We've, you know, seen it carried in the media now and in a couple places. So, of course, we expect to hear uh, differing opinions on this, just as we did at the AGM itself. That was Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association CEO Grant McClellan. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will be back right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Food security is one of the biggest issues facing the world as the global population increases, and a Canadian not-for-profit organization is working to ensure growing more and better food is a reality for all. There is also a Saskatchewan connection to the work being done by the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Rick Block, the Saskatchewan representative of the Food Grains Bank, says a total of 33 projects are registered in the province dedicated to helping their cause. There are community growing projects in all over Saskatchewan, up in the northwest, southwest, central, you know, southeast, northeast. You'll, you'll, you'll find them on highways and, uh, and various grid roads. Um, some of them are smaller, like 40 acres. We just had a fellow uh, from Salt Coats that came by here. He helps to manage the project that's right along Highway 16 there at Salt Coats. That's a smaller one. Um, you know, and we have projects. I think the largest one would be, would be uh, right at Musuman, uh, actually just north on Highway 8 there, Musuman Harvest of Hope. And that is two quarter sections that uh, there's a whole group of people there that work together. And that is, um, that's been going on about 10 years now. Some projects have gone on for 25 plus years. So, In some cases, parcels of land have been bequeathed to the organization. Often it's uh, some of the elders in the community that, you know, they have land and you know some of which sometimes it's an 80 acre parcel sometimes often a quarter section parcel that they'll say you know i'd really like to have an impact i'd really like to see this land have impact uh beyond the community you know they may be as a family they don't need necessarily the income so essentially they're donating the use of that land block says the growth of the projects in saskatchewan can be attributed to word of mouth their social media presence and being at trade shows. Definitely word of mouth would be, I mean, it would be the largest way in which um, people will sometimes see a sign on the side of the road or they're in the coffee shop, they'll hear about, hey, you know, my uncle and aunt are involved in a project and, you know, these kinds of things that just kind of happen word of mouth. Um, but I guess also as the Food Grains Bank, we do try to have, you know, we have a social media presence on various channels like Twitter or X or whatever, or Facebook. Um, um, media, even such as yourselves, will, you know, obviously provide an opportunity for us to tell a bit more of our story, and so that's also very helpful. Um, yeah, and people who are interested at times during ag shows like here will sometimes say, hey, how do you get started in this? And it just, it's like agriculture. Sometimes it's planting the seed in the right conditions, and that germinates. Canadian Food Grains Bank projects aren't just limited to growing crops. As Block says, other people have committed to the same thing by donating proceeds from the sale of cattle, honey, or in the cases of urban centres, 
the sale of various foods. It's based on often a resource that is available, putting in, you know, kind of humans some sweat equity, obviously holding to the vision, you know, the understanding that, hey, we, we believe that no one should go hungry, um, and that helps to generate both awareness and resources. Um, so really, the only limits are our own creativity in terms of how uh, resources are, are generated for the Food Grains Bank. Once the proceeds are donated to the Food Grains Bank, Block says it gets transferred to their partners. Maybe we're talking about Ethiopia, maybe Bangladesh, um, you know, wherever. It's those, it's those financial resources then that are utilized to either procure the food in that region, if it's food assistance, or the funds are utilized to, you know, if we're working with a group of farmers, sometimes it will be seed or tools or training. So those resources help to kind of, sorry, the finances are used to provide those kinds of resources for the participating farmers in those countries. So no longer do we actually ship Canadian grain um, as food aid. That's That used to happen, but it actually isn't the most effective way to, uh, to do this. More information on the work they do can be found online at foodgrainsbank.ca. And that'll do it for Saskang today for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 for another edition of the program. Since sports headlines.